The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Toy and welcome once again to a came from the radio, the official the Big Apple Con. This is your host Mark Torres speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than the life of Jenny, Jenny Feldy Elman. Good day, good evening, wherever you are. So on uh, this week's show, let's see what I have on my list. This week's show, we have another Jay Burnley segment. Um, we have a fishy sarcasms. Dominic Definition Manfrano has an interview with uh, artist Matt. Gaudo, G-A-U-D-I-O, Gaudo. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's pronounced right during the interview. And uh, senior correspondent Charlie Saladino and Elman Jenny Feldy uh, at the Indie Art Show, at the Fat Guy Indie Art Show, uh, have a mini interview with um, MCON event coordinator and artist Kelly Gordon. So before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio that's sci-fi for your wi-fi as well as the fine folks of the big apple condo which we are the official radio show of celebrating 25 six years of complexness and pop culture stuff For more information go to www.bigapplecc.com the next convention is scheduled for the march of 26 of this year and tickets are on sale right now and i give a shout out for our patreons of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Drizzle Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Hurricane, Yasmin Array, and Rosa. Want to get your own little shout-out? Go to our new website, www.icamefromradio.com, and there's a button on there to take you right to our Patreon page, and just for $8 a month, you can support our little show. All right, so let's see. Um, as always, we start off with the sad news, and we have one bit of sad news for this week. Um, film and television director, producer, and screenwriter Ivan Reitman died recently in his sleep. Um, while being responsible for many well-known works such as Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, and his sequels, Ghostbusters 2, and Afterlife, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Dave, Jr., Animal House, the original Heavy Metal, the original Space Jam, and his sequel, Beethoven, and his sequel and TV series, Ivan also worked on such films slash TV shows projects as Legal Eel, Six Days, Seven Nights, Evolution, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, Stop and My Mom Will Shoot, Private Parts, that's the Howard Stern movie, Old School, Road Trip, Euro Trip, no relation, uh, the cartoon Mummies Alive, which I really enjoyed, Casual Sex with a question mark, and the new Baywatch movie starring The Rock, just to name a few. Of note, spoilers, Ivan was cast by his son, who also directed the latest Ghostbuster film, as the motion capture stand-in for the late Howard Ramis. Um, I know there's a lot of things that uh, you're not too familiar with, but at least... <laughs> a lot of these stuff, are some of my favorites. That's what I'm saying. A lot of these movies, at least for me, I'm surprised it was all by the same guy in some way, shape, right. or form. I had no idea he was involved with many of these projects. Mm-hmm. Animal House. I mean, that, that was something that still shaped my life. I mentioned it the other day. Like, oh, Animal House, you know, it's a standard. It's a standard to explain a genre. And it's a standard for producers, I think, to explain something they might want to do or avoid. Because it, it's kind of like its own genre. It, it really was. It was a groundbreaking film for its time. And it launched so many careers, if you think about it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Did you, were you a Ghostbusters fan? I was when I was younger, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, so... It was like, that was like his baby. That was his biggest thing. That was his claim of fame was Ghostbusters. And the fact that he got his son to make a new Ghostbuster film. And as, as you know, one of the original cast members, Harold Ramis, had passed away. So he uh, stood in for that cast member who passed away in his son's film about Ghostbusters. And that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. So yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised by certain films that, and, it's, and, and the thing is about his, his uh, field of work, it covers everything. Mm-hmm. 
like you go from from a kid's film from Beethoven with the dog to the Howard Stern film Private Parts to Baywatch. It's really interesting how he managed to have such an impact on 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 the films that he did. Well, one common thread is none of them were boring. They're all pretty fast paced, and they all had like a jovial, upbeat, lifting spirit that I feel like if you needed to take your mind off something. It, that you could just totally get wrapped up in it, and it's just positive fun. Yeah, and and even even the heavy metal movie, the animated film, it had some lighthearted moments, but also had some very heavy um, graphic violence scenes in that in that animation. And it was once again groundbreaking for its time, based on the magazine of the same name. Oh, so oh, he clearly was, uh, brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. So bravo! Yeah. Um, so he was a, a spry 75 years old. So that's it for the sad news. We're going to move on to the not as sad news. Well, that sad news is like enough sad news for like four people. So <laughs> he covers I think we're covered. Years. All right. Yeah. Like, wow. So let's see. Uh, from the Isn't That the People's Choice Awards department, the Oscars have teamed up with Twitter, of all things, to create a new category for their award show. As of right now, March 3rd, Anyone can tweet for their favorite film of 2021. So that means your film, uh, Bloody Nun yeah. 2, you can oh, vote thanks. for it along with the hashtag Oscars fan favorite, all one word, Oscars fan favorite, and hashtag sweepstakes up to 20 times per day. The oh, winner will be revealed live during the Oscar ceremony, which is coming up on March 27th, the day after the next Big Apple Con. Um, the Academy says, <clears throat> We're thrilled to partner with Twitter to help build and engage an excited digital audience leading up to this year's ceremony. The Oscars are an opportunity to bring people around the world together through the shared movie love. And through these activation, social media users around the world now have more opportunities to engage with the show in real time, find a community, and be part of the experience in ways they've never been able to before. Um, on top of all that, Three Twitter users who cast their votes will be selected for an all-expense-paid trip to Los Angeles next year to present an Oscar during the 2023 broadcast. Um, of note, the Oscars did try a, quote, most popular film category in 2019, but due to pushback from the industry, it was quickly removed. Um, we've talked about this many times about how award shows are, and the fact that they're going to Twitter to promote the fan-favorite film it really blows my mind, and I think it really uh, dilutes the allure of the award show. You know, I guess it would dilute it and expand it depending on who you are. Um, this just seems like a great marketing ploy, so good job, Oscars, for finally using uh, this ever-changing media marketing platform. So you think it's a good idea? I think it's all nonsense. So if you're going to do nonsense, <laughs> at least have the right marketing plan and don't, you know, uh, yeah. All right. I I think the fact that um, I don't remember who it was. Um, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen was like, he doesn't understand why people are so enamored by the Oscars. He's like, nobody goes uh, crazy about the best car uh, award show mm -hmm. because it's, it's for people in the industry giving themselves awards for people in the industry. Yeah, and I think that's most award shows. Not all, but most. So, you know, hey, at least you're going to market yourself, right? You know, it basically, it's all for money and marketing. It's not really for the merit of how great films are. I don't think it's really true. to measure art. So, great. You know, do a better job marketing. Yeah. So, so all you listeners out there, including yourself, L-Man Jenny Foley, 20 times a day, hashtag mm. Oscar fan favorite, Oscars with an S fan favorite, and put in the movie Bloody Nun 2. We can make this ah, <laughs> Or Bloody Nun 3. Just vote for it now. So it's in production. Uh, but it has, to be a, a, has to be a film that already came out in 2021. Well, it identifies as a film that's already came <laughs> out. So there you go. Wouldn't that be something to, to yeah. win an award for a movie that hasn't been filmed yet? <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll happen. <laughs> well, this is, this, is our, this is our grassroots movement to try it. Uh, so speaking of movies, from the... That's a lot of nuts! Department. The new Gal Gadot film, Death on the Nile, which is based on the Agatha Christie book of the same name, 
takes the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in, quote unquote, just $12 million, beating out the new Jackass film, was pulled in an additional $8 million in its second week of release. For those of you keeping track, the second third Spider-Man film is still the highest grossing film of 2022, as well as 2021, with $186 million, followed by Screen uh, Part was it 6, I think, the new Screen film, I think it's 6, maybe 5, um, which is at number 2 with $73 million. And Death of the Nile, with its disappointing, quote-unquote, just $12 million, comes in at number 9. And we're only in the, the second month of the year. Hmm, okay. All right, I, sounds good. I think uh... it's kind of a weird how these films are disappointing, and we're still in the pandemic. But it is what it is. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Moving on. From the boys department. According to J.J. Abrams, Paramount is moving ahead with a fourth Star Trek film set in his universe. J.J. Uh, says, we are thrilled to say that we are at hard at work now on a Star Trek film that will be shooting by the end of the year that will feature our original cast, with some new characters that I think are going to be really fun and exciting and helps take Star Trek into areas that you've never seen before. We're thrilled about this film. We have a bunch of other great stories and we're talking about what we think will be really exciting. So can't wait for you to see what we're cooking up. But until then, live long and prosper. For those of you who aren't paying attention, the quote-unquote original cast would consist of Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urbain, John Cho, and Simon Pegg as Kirk, Spock, Uhura, Dr. McCoy, Sulu Scotty, uh, who took over the roles from their predecessors of Shatner, Nimoy, Nichelle Nichols, DeForest Kelly, George Sakai, and James Doohan in 20, uh, 2009. Uh, the film reset and also continued the timeline to keep all those fans, both new and old, quote-unquote, happy. There were two sequels made, and the last one, Star Trek Beyond, which was not a great movie, um, actually cost the studio money. So they stopped making films and just focused on the TV series, such as Star Trek uh, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, and Progeny, uh, which is actually quite good. Uh, The shows are set in the original non-Abrams timeline. Um, Of note, in 2018, Paramount tried to bring back this cast. Uh, Paramount allegedly couldn't close a deal with Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, who plays Kirk's father in the films. Are you a Star Trek fan? Not at all. Um, <laughs> not at all. But you know what? I never gave it a chance for that. I feel a little guilty. And uh, I do think that I, I was told that to live till 96. I think we're going to see Star Trek forever because people like the idea of living in an alternate reality. So I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. What do you think? I think um, it's their biggest cash cow for Paramount. Uh-huh. Um, if, if you may remember... Um, when I used to work at Blockbuster, Paramount bought Blockbuster, and they, uh, I was, I was, uh, and they uh, was it? They launched the UPN network, United Paramount Network, and on when they launched it, they launched it with one show, and that was a Star Trek show, because they felt that that was their cash cow, and that can bring millions and millions of people to their uh, network, and then the Paramount uh, network, the the streaming service which they have now was also first launched with a new Star Trek series. So that's that's their big cash cow. That's their big money. As long as they can squeeze a dollar out of that thing, they're going to keep on exactly. the Star Trek. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, I want to study the demographic of who's into it. I really would like to see. Um, Star Trek, I believe, would be for all ages. Having gone to many Star Trek conventions throughout the years, um, the base audience was getting older and older, and they tried to make it more hip. And new mm-hmm. when they brought in the 2009 Star Trek with the new cast, younger cast, as the same members. And so you get the new audiences in. And now, um, right now, uh, Progeny is for kids. It's on Nickelodeon, which is also huh. on the Paramount. So they're trying to get as many people into it as possible of all ages. Wow. And wow. I believe, at least from what, growing up with it, I was never a huge Star Trek fan. But I was a fan. I could appreciate certain things. So... I believe it's it's a good jumping point for anybody. Like, if you want to see a good movie, you can find at least one of those Star Trek movies to be a good movie. You want to see a good TV show, at least one of those Star Trek TV shows was good. You know, because it has a little something for everybody. Do they push getting, uh, you know, the vaccine shot Star Trek? I, I don't because the storyline becomes I, a storyline of many shows. I wonder. It's always interesting to me which ones decide to say you have to for the greater good. 
get vaccinated. I wonder if they I, get vaccinated in space. I have not seen Discovery. So I haven't seen a new series except for Progeny. And that they really didn't mention any of that stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, but then it's Omicron animated. Variant, Omicron variant is most popular in outer space. <laughs> the, um, the animation takes a while to do. So they might have done it before. But hmm. I don't know. So I cannot, I cannot say either way if they do or do not. Hmm. Um, so moving on. From the you can't keep a bad idea down department. Stacy Spikes, which is a guy, uh, the founder of MoviePass, announced on Thursday that the service will relaunch this summer. Stacy says, <clears throat> we want to rebuild MoviePass as a company. It's built by its fan base. A lot of people lost money. A lot of people lost trust. There were a lot of people who were hurt and disappointed. And I was one of those people who was hurt and disappointed. If it benefits one movie theater chain, it's really a loyalty program. Our goal is to create a marketplace where all theaters, all movies, all titles, and all parts of the market benefit. For those of you who aren't paying attention or just forgot, in 2017, MoviePass was offering unlimited movies with a limit of one per day for a monthly fee of just $10. As predict- yeah, for $10 a month, you can go to the movies as many times as you want, see as many movies as you want with a limit of one per day. So you can see 30 movies for just for $10. $10. Yes. That doesn't make any sense. E- exactly. So as predicted <laughs> by the expert and, and obviously our, our very own Jenny Feldy, Holy crap. Um, the business model was unsustainable. And yet MoviePass kept on trying to keep things afloat by doing anything it could while pretending everything was fine. They were making money. They were, they uh-huh. were, they were borrowing money. They were making deals. Uh-huh. The website went down. A whole lot of stuff was happening. They're like, everything's fine. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, eventually they made, a, they made a move to make a monthly $15 option um, per month. And it had many heavy restrictions, like you couldn't see certain movies on certain days. Uh-huh. Um, in September of 2019, MoviePass notified subscribers that it would be shutting down indefinitely. And then in January of 2020, MoviePass filed, Movie filed for Chapter 7 liquidation. And remember, all this was pre-pandemic. We covered this uh, uh, thing just much like the diamond of its time. If you remember, right, for a diamond. Right, we were covering right. this story of MoviePass, and we just was like, what the hell is going on? And how bad <laughs> yeah. that ship was sinking because... I for ten dollars, like it didn't make any sense. I mean, you know what? So I just see someone standing up for the common person and giving them a deal, but like, how the hell uh, did they think that a movie theater is going to go along with that plan? And well, because the the idea was that the movie theaters, as as you know, I've worked for movie theaters. They don't care if you come to see a movie or not. They make their money on the concession stand. Uh, so if you come in there and you just buy a whole bunch of crap and don't even see so the movie, right. they're you're happy. So right. But the movie studios were like, uh, how do we make our money? Because if, you're, if you're paying MoviePass $10, the MoviePass people have to reimburse uh, the difference right. in that fee to the movie theater, for the movie uh, uh, companies. Wow. So how, how do you get from $10 a person <laughs> to paying, <laughs> what is it, like $15 a ticket now at, at matinee, right? 20 I think. I, I don't know. 20 so we'll say $20 for one person and you're getting $10 yeah. a month. So, <laughs> so let's say the average person, let's say it's a, a two people, right? So we have a, a guy and a girl, they're dating. They both pay $10 a month, right? Crazy. And mm-hmm. they will go out every weekend to see them. Because once you see one movie, your, your $10 is covered, right? Yeah. It's crazy. So, so they went, they go and they pay $20 a month. They go four times a month. That's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. That's one hundred and twenty dollars that that the company is losing. Yeah, it's really nuts. It, it's uh, who yeah. came up with this? Oh well, it's, it's you know who uh, came up with this? Someone who probably got in a fight with a movie production company like <laughs> Paramount and Disney. They probably got in some cahoots with some guy. He said, "You know what? I'm going to make something that's going to take them down." And you know what? It didn't work. And the side thing that came out of all of this is that movie theater companies, uh, they started having their own loyalty program. So if not for MoviePass, movie theaters like AMC 
wouldn't wow. have their own version of Movie Pass. It was just obviously for AMC movies, and obviously it was for much more than just ten dollars a month. With see, as I was saying earlier, always protect your ideas because <laughs> once you share it, you might even make it into a product. Someone can take that product, change it a little bit, and make it a better one. So be careful who finds out about your work, people. Yeah, and so to clarify, Stacy Spikes, uh, who was the co-founder of MoviePass was ousted from the company before all this happened and then managed to buy back the company after its bankruptcy sale. So no word on pricing or options as of yet, but I find it interesting that he got kicked out and then he bought it, the, the crumblings of what happened and now he wants to bring it back. Bizarre. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, well, stay tuned, basically. <laughs> stay tuned next week in the next one. <laughs> it's going to get interesting, I think. So I, I, I cannot go beyond the, the, the lunacy of why would you try to bring this idea back if it fell so miserably the first time? You know what this is like? Um, <laughs> do you remember the XFL? Or you don't remember? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, listeners out there, Vince McMahon, who owns WWE, uh, WWF, a uh, wrestling company, he decided that he wanted to make a football uh, franchise to go, I believe at the time he wanted to go up against the NFL. It might have been um, offseason. I, so. I don't remember what the first time, but he, he did it. And the first time, I believe, was 2001. Not right? sure. Maybe I'm not sure when, but I do think it was against the NFL. That's what I thought. So um, I remember he did the when he did it, it it it, it failed miserably. It was just like money and stuff that he he put in, and it just it just didn't work. It just didn't work the way he uh, he planned it. And then he waits because he's like, I believe in this. Uh, I believe in this. I think it's the greatest <laughs> idea ever. I want to make sure. I it was yes, it was in two thousand and one. So he he made this, and then the Twin Towers came down, and then all this stuff happened. So it was not a good year to have a, a new sports franchise during that time, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then he waits 19 years to bring it back. 19 years for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, what was he doing during those 19 years? He was, still running, he was still running the, uh, the WWE, but okay, he felt okay. that there was money. In, in the football, which there is, because okay. you know, obviously it's it's a big cash cow, as we were talking about money. So yes, he, sure. he waited 19 years to bring back the XFL. Um, and what happens? There's a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Holy hell, yeah. Can I and, say can I say hell on this? Photo? Yes. Okay, because I've said a few times, now I'm just getting real nervous. Mark doesn't like when I curse me at a whole talk about this. Uh listening thank you okay carry on and and if you think about it like this this guy he has this great idea and both times through no fault of his own stuff happens globally which is partially to blame for the ratings being so low and for them to stop it from happening true and like, can you imagine this this person's luck like he waited 19 years (laughs) And it was just shut down again. But you know what? Maybe it's for the greater good. Maybe like the world doesn't need an XFL or maybe it would have caused some weird rivalries or, you know, wars with him. Because every time you start a company and successful, you are going against someone's interests on some level, whether you intend to or not. And you're going to piss off someone. So who knows if it's protecting from a fate of some crazy rivalry. I'm just saying, you never know. So you, you think the universe is out to help out this man. <laughs> you know what? Maybe. But it's, it's funny because it's funny you mention that because oh, oh um, god, there is for those of you who don't know, there is a new well new ish. It's been around for two years. It, it started pre pandemic, so it's going to be three years now. Um, a wrestling competitor to WWE, which is the you know the big major wrestling federation out there, is called AEW Wrestling. I don't know if you've heard right. of it. Mm-hmm. So now they yeah, have. I interviewed their own. someone that became part of that, and he's getting really big now. What a nice guy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 uh it's funny, and actually, um, one of our former uh, 
a co-host, Herman Shemsonertry, as we call, which is Charlie Salasino correspondent, Charlie Saladino's best friend. His nephew is in AEW right now. Hmm. And his What's brother, his name? Um, his name is Hook. Hook and, okay. uh, and his brother, which is Taz, is one of the commentators on AEW. So cool. But it's just so weird how they, he has his own competition going on. So when he decided to make the football, it fell twice. And then mm-hmm. somebody comes along and has somebody to challenge him and his own things. They're like, oh, I'll see how you like it. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. We'll see. How... Okay. Carry on. <laughs> No, so that's that's it for the news. So I think it's uh, it's very interesting how how things are working right now, and this whole movie pass idea. I I would like it, as, as I've mentioned many a times. Um, I used to work for a movie theater. I have my connections in a movie theater. I've seen movies for free all the time, so my vote doesn't mm-hmm. count. But if I did not have that, I would totally pay ten dollars to go see unlimited movies. To pay, yeah, ten dollars a month. Of course, everyone's gonna sign up. Do you, so, do you think that any company? Like, let's just make a little bet. Do you think that in the next mm, five years, some company's gonna snap in, at, or MoviePass will survive, and there's gonna be some type of, let's say, fifteen to eighteen dollar a month unlimited movie pass available one day? Do you think that's gonna ever happen? I believe it will. That is a great well, projection. And, and even, right, at I, I really even at fifteen dollars, even at fifteen dollars, that being poor, fifteen dollars a month is still right. within that range. That yeah, you know, that's not a bad deal because it's still less right. than one movie ticket. Right, that's true. So that's all you true. have to go is see a movie one time, and you already mm-hmm. paid for your month. Everything else one is time, gravy. One time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you think it's going to come out a fifteen to eighteen dollar pass? Do you think it's going to happen? I, I don't know if it's sustainable. That's the whole thing. I don't know if it's sustainable because obviously $10 is not sustainable. So I don't know mm-hmm. what this guy's plans are, but he did say he's going to be making plans announcements soon. So probably by next, uh, next show's news, we'll have more information on it. But right now, who knows what his plan is. But just the fact that he wants to bring it back was crazy. I just like the idea of this guy who made this movie pass company being the arch nemesis of <laughs> movie production companies and trying to put them out of business by being like, you know what? You know how no one's going to pay for your movie. They're going to buy a movie pass and then no one's going to buy tickets ever again. That's what I think happened. That's, that's, that's probably what happened. So we're almost out of time. <laughs> so Jennifer, do you have a final thoughts for the new segment? You know what? Just really try to take care of each other and yourselves the best you possibly can. Um, because it really can make a difference just in how you care for yourself every hour, every day, and also how you extend that care to others. You know what? It, we can create tidal waves of positive change and throughout the world just by doing those two conscious acts all day. Wow, that was a very positive and uplifting message. So with yep. that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the game for the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey everybody, this is Todd McFarland of the Record Setting Spawn comic series. And if you're looking for any kind of cool conversation about creators, about entertainment, about all that good stuff, you go to It Came From The Radio. You're listening to the right spot. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. It's sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. This is El Man at the Indie Art Show with the awesome, amazing Charles Altino. Yes, that's me. And uh, I'm here with the awesome, amazing Kelly Gordon. Let's talk to Kelly for a little bit. Hey, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Kelly Gordon, a.k.a. Mikhail Supreme from Night and Day Anime Studios. I'm here today at the Great Bay South Brewery at, for the Indie Art Show uh, hosted by the Fat Guys. Uh, thank you. Thank them for inviting me to this event. I really appreciate it. And I'm here just to sell some artwork, man. So I'm here to represent. So question, because I'm not the comic buff. I see Deadly Alliance, Let's Get Drunk. What is that about? Uh, well, this one here is very funny. Um, this is like one of my, like, I'm a big 80s kid. That was my generation. And uh, this is Skeletor and Mumra. 
And if this was the alliance that never happened, well, not in my era anyway. I wish it did. I'm a huge uh, He-Man and uh, uh, Thundercats uh, fanatic and whatnot. And uh, this was like one of these um, live drawing art shows that I did at a, at a local convention I did. I did on virtually. And this was a project that I worked on, on drawing this. So, I don't know. I wanted to do something crazy and fun and whatnot. And I thought this was just a great motivation kicker to put into the uh, session that I did with, uh, with my artwork drawing. So let's get drunk. I'm all about let's brush your teeth and floss. Any plans to do a let's, let's floss or brush your teeth art? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, that's a good one. I know you, show, you took me on that one. Maybe Maybe in the future. You never know. That's clean. So we do a radio show, and I have a very – it's very hard for me to keep things radio PC friendly. So Kelly knows that. And you have the MCON Anime Fest coming up April 2nd to 3rd. So what can we expect from that? That still looks pretty cool. Uh, well, the MCON Anime Fest provided by the East Middle Public Library been going on for at least over 10 years. It's been uh, something that had been established since 2011 whatnot. You know, during the COVID, it was shut down, but we did it virtually just to bring it back to the community whatnot, give them something to uh, look forward to uh, during the shutdown and pandemic. So um, this is going to be our first in-house after the pandemic. That's going to be given on April 1st with the pre-party. We're going to have like some, um, like live entertainment going on at the pre-party to bring everybody in just to show a little bit of normalcy to the, out to the community and then we're going to have on April 2nd and 3rd we're going to do like a full day event of programs and panels uh, with a cosplay contest at the end of it I'm going to be bringing in Michelle Knotts and uh, James Carthright, uh, Team Rocket. Um, they're going to come in virtually, but they'll still be here in-house with everybody could be able to ask questions and whatnot, but virtually. And I'm going to be having uh, Samurai Yoshi Amayo, always a uh, uh, every-year favorite. He's going to come in, do some martial arts for everybody on Sunday and end up with a nice cosplay contest like we always do. Holy crap, you did that in one breath. I'm really impressed. But anyway, this is an observation, not a, a, a question. We were with Kelly on get-go at the first MCON, and we've seen this little baby grow up, and it is amazing. So I definitely recommend everybody get to the MCON. Yes, thank you for that. Yes, you were definitely there and whatnot. It was a small... Um it was a big buildup. We had like maybe 250 people for the first uh, get up. And then our highest peak, we had over 4,800 people uh, during uh, MCON years and whatnot. I'm hoping for a nice good turnout, whatnot, even though after the pandemic, whatnot. But I think it's something that we could definitely, again, bring back to the community and something that they could get involved in and, you know, be happy to look something to forward to a little bit. And, uh, you know, come out with their cosplaying, have some nice vendors and some artists and whatnot. And everybody could show off their costumes. I think it's going to be a great event to have at the East Mail Public Library and some like little lectures and a lot of networking. So I think it'll be great. See you at MCON. Yes, see you definitely at MCON. This is Charlie Saladino, senior correspondent. And L-Man, back to the studio. See you later. Bye, Mark. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Red Notice. Who's in that movie? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. What's her? I don't... Gal Gadot. Yeah. The Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> and Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Did you say Wayne Johnson? Dwayne. Dwayne, right. The Rock. Dwayne, right? Yeah, yeah. Dwayne. Okay. Yes, we definitely have a problem with names and <laughs> actors these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what would you think of it? Uh, I liked it. I It's not in my top favorites, What was it um, wasn't horrible. What was it about? Uh, it was about, basically, Ryan Reynolds was like a bad character trying to get like eggs or something. <laughs> <laughs> he was an international thief. <laughs> Who was trying to steal three eggs of Cleopatra, okay? I don't even... I did not... I was not a fan of this movie, but I still know what it's about, okay? <laughs> we had um, Dwayne Johnson as the FBI agent. 
right? And mm-hmm. Gal Gadot as the other competition for the International Thief of Ryan well, also, Reynolds. Also, wasn't she like the main person? She was the main bad guy, I guess. Well, no, was she I mean, I thought she was like, I don't know, I was confused by her role. I thought like half the time she was the, like, the, the bishop. She is the bishop. I think so, that's what they call her, the bishop. But then they were also, but then she's also the bad guy. She, the bishop was the bad guy. Yeah. Right, so she's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> this movie itself was what? Like, kind of like a action-adventure, um, not Indiana Jones-ish, but kind of? Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it was okay. It was all right. I, yeah. I didn't love the movie, but... Well, what was your... Um, like, did you like Ryan Reynolds in it? I mean, he wasn't bad. It's just that he always plays, like, the same role in movies. Well, he's a comedic wise-ass, right? Yeah. That's kind of what he is now. And he's better in Deadpool. <laughs> he's better in Deadpool? Yeah. yeah. I guess that's the thing. I think, he, like, he went... He was always, like, snarky. That's not smarmy? I don't even know. Like, just kind of arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, I didn't... I don't know. I didn't love his role in the film. I thought he was pretty good. I didn't... You know what? I don't like really... Dwayne Johnson's role that much because I feel like he's always the same guy. I feel like they're both the same guy, just in like, like all the time. Yep, that's so funny. That's why like it gets annoying. I mean, what's her name? The Wonder Woman was good. Yeah, she was good. I mean, I haven't really seen her play much except for Wonder Woman and that. So yeah, she's been in other movies. It's just she was um, like we saw this around this. I mean, I just felt like we did two years of Gal Gadot around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and both disappointed movies. Yep, <laughs> yep. You know? I we were not a fans that. of 1984 Wonder Woman. We didn't like nah, that. Wonder Woman number two was not. Yeah, nope. I mean, this was like a fun kind of family movie, but it felt yeah. like it was just very Disney, and there's no real like. I don't know, depth to it. It was very forgettable for as far as I was yeah. concerned. You know? No, definitely. Because like, the roles they play all feel the same in literally everything. Yeah, look, I thought they were all like pretty good for what it was. I mean, I know how hard it is to make a movie. I know how yeah. hard it is to like uh, pull something like this off. But it's just, you get to a point where you're like, have you seen this before? And I, could it I be mean, we ha- I feel like we've seen like all these movies that come out now, we've seen... In different fonts. <laughs> different <laughs> or like fonts, different yes. lettering. Yes, yeah. It gives you that kind of um, feeling for sure. But I guess, is there anything redeemable about it that you liked? I mean, I like how the eggs looked. Oh, come on. It was they that... were pretty. Yes, I'm sure they were very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like... And I a... liked her dress. Yes, her dresses were very <laughs> nice. I thought the action was pretty cool. You know, um, there was definitely a couple of funny parts in the movie. Well, yeah, but not like memorable funny. Yeah, I mean, I think the part where he exposes him as a cop when they were in jail was pretty funny, right? Mm, that was just secondhand embarrassment for me. Uh, oh man, you with the secondhand embarrassment? Okay, what? For... I get embarrassed easily by a character's action. I'm gonna have to find some more movies to embarrass you with uh, no. the characters because there's no. some really good ones. Oh God, no! Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, we didn't really uh, like it. We think you should pass. Yeah. Or I just mean, unless it's like a family movie thing with kids and whatever. Yeah, and if you all want to hang out and have a pretty decent time, it's good. Yeah. But as a awesome movie, eh. Yeah. All right. All right. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And stay connected. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hello, everyone. Once again, this is Dominic Definition Man Sperano here for It Came From The Radio, coming to you from a super-duper secret location underneath the sea, deep in in the uh, in the trench. It's just that. Uh, nah, it's still my basement. 
That's where I do all my best work from. With me today is Matt. How do you say your last name, Matt? Uh, it's it's just Gaudio. So Gaudio. G O A. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Matt, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for yeah. having me. It's always a pleasure, Matt. So tell me, what are you working on? What are you doing right now? Um, so right now, uh, we, we're working on uh, an issue of Phaser. Okay. Um, so we just got that finished up. Uh, and then I've got you know, a couple, a couple projects I'm working on myself, uh, you know, just wrapped up a little bit a while ago, New York comic-con. So I'm still, still finishing up some commissions from that. Um, and then, uh, my wife and I just, just had a baby a couple months ago. So, um, you well, know. congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Pretty busy. Pretty busy. Good. Cause you got yeah. your diapers aren't cheap. No, no, formula. no. So you started off at the Joe Kubert school. Yes. When did you graduate? Uh, I graduated in 2015. Okay. So and from there, back. just fast track into the into the into the exciting life of comic books. <laughs> um, I guess uh, you know I don't know if you could say that exactly, but um, you know the the Kubert School presented me with a lot of opportunities that I I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, connections that I was able to make, mentors. Um, job, you know, potential job opportunities. Uh, and I started out after I got out of school, I, my first job was, uh, a 30 page indie book. Um, it was called the atomic thunderbolt and it was using a, a public domain character. Uh, and I got to work on that with Kevin powers. Um, so, so that was, that was where I started. And then from there, um, you know, I started to get some work through, through dynamite, Mm-hmm. Um, I did John Wick. I did the, the last three issues of that five issue John Wick series. That's um, awesome. Yeah, that was that was a fun job. Um, I did some Betty Page. I did Black Terror. Um, and uh, now I'm working on some some more indie books in, in addition to Phaser. That's really, really cool. I'm looking at your website right now and I'm just loving what I'm seeing. Thank you. Uh, what, now, how cool was it working on the John Wick books? It was great. It was it was really awesome. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan. I I love the John Wick movies, um, and so to be able to to be a part of that uh, and to have you know some kind of hand in in that storytelling lore um, was was a privilege. Uh, I'm I'm hoping maybe they'll adapt something from that at some point, but who knows? I mean, anything's very possible. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I mean, where would be your dream job right now what do you really want to be doing in comics aside from obviously working at apex which must be one of your dream jobs of course of course so you know knock that off the list right away um for me i, I just kind of want to tell the, the the best stories that i can tell um I'd, I'd love to do do work for you know some of the the more well-known household names the big two your your marvels your dcs um but you know, I'm not strictly um, focused on on just working for them. You know, if I'm presented with a solid story, um, I'm, I, that's something that I will always, um, you know, keep keep my ears, eyes, and ears open for. Um, at, you know, my dream project would probably be like a Spider-Man book. Um, I, I'm sure you know I'm the first person to ever say that, uh, but but that would be like the dream book for me. I think it's like every professional's, you know, young professional's dream is to like either do Spider-Man or Batman. Of course. Of course. I think it's, that's like the flip. Yep. Um, I mean, you would definitely be open to do John Wick again if they came up with a new miniseries, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say was like, how much research did you have to do to do John Wick? It it was a fair amount. It was, um, you know, I actually, when we worked on the book, um i want to say it was right before the second film came out or they were mm-hmm. right around when they were doing the promo material for that second film um and i hadn't seen the first yet and uh i i you know i of course watched watched the first movie right away um and i was doing a lot of study on on the actors um and also the like the locations they shot on and and um just the different like lighting effects and things that they use to try and make it feel cohesive. Like it was mm-hmm. to make sure it was part of that same world basically. Um, but it was cool too, because we, we did um, part of our story were flashbacks to when John wick was like a little boy. 
Really? Um, so yeah, yeah. So so I actually was perusing the internet for like like high school photos of Keanu Reeves just to kind of get a feel for what he might have looked like as as a young Exactly you know? the same. Yeah, 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 he's exactly. a vampire, like yeah. he's immortal. Right, like a Paul Rudd type for sure. Yeah. Like it, it, I you watch him even in the stuff that he did when he did uh much ado about nothing in the 90s with Kenneth Branagh yep. and it's like this man has barely aged yeah and I think he's almost 60 at this point he's he's like late 50s early 60s he doesn't look a day over mid 40s at best I mean it, it it's it's amazing so yeah I, yeah yeah he, he looks just slightly older than when he was doing uh Bill and Ted yeah <laughs> It's like and, his hair's and, longer. And from what I hear, he's you know he's just an, a really awesome person. So you know, ha- happy for all good things that that. Yeah. He, I have never heard a bad thing about Keanu. Reeves. No, no, no. I've heard bad things about many celebrities, but n- never about him. Yep. Never about him. Now, when you were at the Cuba School, how much of what you learned there? I mean, obviously, it all helps. But what was like the big takeaway that you've taken from what you learned there? applied to your work like on john wick on every book that you you take do you have like a major piece of advice for anyone who wants to go to the school who's going to who's graduating from the school who wants to get into comics uh that's a that's a great question um and like you say you know there's there's so many things that i learned that that could be applied throughout uh a specific job or across you know the range of jobs um i'd say you know, one of the biggest things is just a, a level of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that could be hitting your deadlines. Um, if you're, if you're not able to hit a deadline, you know, making sure you're open and upfront with your editors and your, your other creative team members. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, we, sorry. I, go ahead. No, no, I, I, de- I definitely agree with that. Yep. I, I run a uh, independent comic company for, for 10 years and nothing is worse than when you have to like, call uh an uh an artist from someone else's phone so they tend to pick up and then be like oh you are alive yeah yeah no that's uh not not something i would ever advise you know you want to be you want to be as straightforward with the people you work with as possible it's it's just um that's what i I think that's what's best for everyone in in the long run and, and the short the short term um so you know the professionalism is is a huge thing um that's something that they they really um, emphasize at the school, and then also too is is just the the storytelling. Um, yeah, you know, having having the instructors who are so experienced, um, you know, from all different walks of the industry, there to have um, a separate set of eyes on your work, and just present new information to you, or or you know, maybe information even that you you're you know or you're aware of, but presented to you in a different way. Um, is is super super valuable and you know when it comes to comics um, it's it's all about the storytelling absolutely now i'm looking at your uh samples uh your sequential samples of of uh john constantine and batman do you are you ink your own drawings as well or are you strictly a pencil and you find someone else to ink no i um you know for for most of my published work i uh was inking myself um and that was, um, I think, more of just uh, what the need was at the time. Mm. Uh, I, I would, you know, I, I, I think it's funny because I, I think I have a, a decent eye for inks, and um, I, I don't love my own inks, to be frank. Um, mm. But I might just be being hard on myself. Uh, I would love to to work with with someone, um, you know, a, a good inker. Um, but it's it's not always feasible. It's not always um, like time-wise the best option so uh i i can do it and i i think it's passable but um you know honestly i i i think it's something it's an area i can improve on that's fair i mean i'm looking at your work now these samples that you have these are are your own inks yes they are yep as someone who wanted to be an inker worked as an inker trained as an inker they're really not bad i don't i don't see yeah i think you should be proud of 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 your inking Thank it you. looks good. I'm especially liking the uh, bottom right panel uh, in your Constantine sample. It's really good. So for those out there uh, who are listening to this, go check out Matt 
uh, I'm sorry, uh, gaudioart.com. Check out these panels. These are very good. Not that we're wrapping up just yet, but um, his work is excellent. And I see that you're also open for commissions. Uh, yeah. So again, like, like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm, uh, I'm still working on stuff from, from New York. I still have a couple left on my list. Um, but I should be opening up an official list again sometime soon. You know, I'm always, I'm always, uh, available if people want to, uh, send emails or contact me via social media, that kind of a thing. Um, so, but I think I'll be having, uh, some kind of list put out by, uh, by Jeff Mart art who represents me, uh, in the near future. Definitely should. Like I'm looking at, you, you've really, tra- um, put the images up for your, for your commissions well, but I really like some, the one or two that you have just clearly, they were just snaps, just pictures that you had done, um, from either Comic-Con or, or that you finished after Comic-Con, your yeah. Homelander and your bullseye like these did you do those two at the booth or did you do them later yeah no those were um those were that's from uh not this most recent show but when i did do those uh the bullseye i believe was done at the show and the homelander was one that i had done it was just someone had contacted me and uh you know i did that from my home studio all right so the bullseye that you did at nycc at your booth yeah. The fact that you did it at your booth and it came came out looking that good, <laughs> you should be very impressed with your skills. Don't well, get a big you. head about it, but thank oh you. my god, man. Really nice work. Beautiful work. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. I appreciate that. Uh, it's it's a pleasure. I've 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 seen a lot of work, you know, I get a lot of I've gotten a lot of submissions over the years. <clears throat> and sometimes you get these submissions and you you want to give them the nice gentle letdown. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicely. But uh, your your work is fantastic. You should uh, you should really go for it. I, I hope you get really big out there. Thank you, thank you. I'm I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Uh, I think you're succeeding. So, <laughs> what are the next couple of projects that you have coming down the pike? Um. So I uh, I recently worked on a pitch for a story that was um, a little bit different, a little bit outside of my my normal wheelhouse. It was a uh, a sci-fi story. Um, it was like a murder mystery that took place on the International Space Station. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, what I had worked on, what what we have right now is like the first eight pages of that. Um, so we got to see where that's going to go. But that was fun. That was more like grounded, obviously, than your typical like hero cape stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I, I no matter what it is, I always find the challenge of the storytelling to, to be um, rewarding, to be fulfilling. Um, so I, I just did that recently. Um, I worked on the, the phaser book, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk about more. And then um, I've got another project that is in the works that I, I can't say too much about at the moment. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's cool. I wish I could say more than that, but it, it's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. So since you can't talk more about that, tell me more about the phaser book. Okay. Yeah. So, so phaser was, was awesome. This was such a cool experience for me. Um, I wasn't familiar with the character before I started working on him. Um, But I, one of the things that I love, I think that the character has a really strong hook. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea that for those who are are not familiar with phaser, um, the character he, he jumps back and forth through time and space and each place that he lands in um, he's got like a new set of powers or a different set of powers. Um, and I, I found that really interesting. Um, I found that really unique, really different from anything else, you know, I've been reading. Um, and, and I feel like that gives not only the reader uh, a, a chance to, to experience something totally different, but, us as creators, I think that opens up a lot of different avenues for storytelling. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you can change powers on any given story. Yeah. that it, It's got to keep you on your toes. Like, you know, you always know what Spider-Man's power is going to be. You're always going to know, like, Superman's powers. You get the idea, okay, I don't have to do flying, I don't have to do swinging. Yep. You know, this, it's, it's going to be, like, basically an, the entire X-Men in one person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, just because you have 
just because you have these, whatever the set of powers is, doesn't mean it's necessarily fit for that situation that you're in at that time. Right. Yeah. So that could lead to some interesting things too. Um, and, uh, and with this issue too, we had, we had some cool, like some robotics and tech that was fun for me to draw, um, some dinosaurs, which, you know, I always love drawing. Um, so there was a lot here that I, I had a good time with. Good for you. Cause like, if someone asked me to draw like robots, tech and dinosaurs, I'm like, Nope. <laughs> i'm out tapping out never not doing it tech tech gets a little tedious um you know you got to be real real careful uh especially for me especially i find like stuff that's super super symmetrical to be yeah. to be a challenge um but it, i think it's fun i think the rendering styles are fun um you can play around with lighting a lot and you know when you study the old masters like Obviously, Kirby is somebody who comes to mind mm-hmm. um, for his his tech and his world building. Um, and then, like the dinosaur stuff, that's that's kind of like where I started drawing. You know, I was a, a really the, yeah yeah I was a, a child of the '90s, so it was right in the middle of like Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park, obviously, and yeah, a ton of like cool paleontological um, discoveries and research that was being done, and um, you know everything else that was kind of copycatting Jurassic Park at that time. Um, so I, when I was a kid, I, that was like one of the first things I started drawing was just all different kinds of dinosaurs. Um, so it was fun to, to get to revisit that a little bit with this project. That's so cool. So we have just, uh, over three minutes left. Um, where can people find you? What can, where they, where can they get your work? All that good information. Yeah. So I'm, uh, as far as social media goes, I'm on Twitter, um, as, uh, at Matt underscore Gaudio. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram uh, as at Matt Gaudio Art. Um, and I've got a bunch. I, I do need to uh, to update my website a little bit with some of my commissions, but a lot of my more recent up-to-date stuff um, is on Instagram. Um, so so people who want to see like a lot of the commissions that I've been working on from, from this most recent New York show, um, that's where you want to head. Uh, I have my website, obviously, mattgaudioart.com. Um, and anyone who wants to contact me can either find my, my email and contact information on the website or, or feel free to reach out uh, via social media. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, let's take it back to the show. Hey, guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hi, this is Tammy Stronach. Um, best known for playing the childlike empress in the never ending story and upcoming man and witch fantasy film. You are listening to It Came from the Radio. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci Fi. Radio, the sci fi for your Wi Fi. Kapla! Hi, this is Sue Lee from Face Off Season 2. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. 
And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.